This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Eliza Harvey. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Thursday the 13th of January. In your Squiz today, Djokovic's mea culpa, getting workers out of isolation, the retail surge before Omicron, and the tearless onions about to hit UK supermarket shelves. This is your Squiz today. The Novak Djokovic saga continues. Yesterday, the tennis star took to Instagram for a lengthy post to answer what he called misinformation about him doing the rounds. And in that statement, he admitted to having COVID in Serbia last year at the same time he conducted an in-person media interview, Claire. Yeah, there's lots of attention on that period in December uh, around what happened there and then how he got to Australia. Uh, But in terms of having COVID... uh, in his home country, he said that he knew that he had tested positive to the virus a couple of days before he had an interview with a French sports newspaper called L'Equipe. Uh, He said that he felt obliged to keep that commitment and he now says that that was an error of judgment. There have been plenty of people who have said that Djokovic has done the wrong thing when it came to attending that interview and that includes the Serbian Prime Minister who said that it would be a very clear breach of the rules if he was out in public after he had a positive COVID test. Yes, and in that post he also wrote that we are living in challenging times in a global pandemic and that some Sometimes mistakes occur. And of course, all of this will be weighed up by the Immigration Minister, Alex Hawke, who is still considering whether to cancel Djokovic's visa. Yeah, and one of the things that Hawke and his team are looking over are more documents that have been provided. Of course, we talked yesterday about his travel declaration being filled in incorrectly uh, and that he had said that he had not travelled in the couple of weeks before coming to Australia. Uh, Djokovic says that It was a form that was filled out by one of his team that they weren't trying to mislead authorities. And again, it was just another error. But what Alex Hawke and immigration officials will be doing is looking over all of those documents as they assess whether Hawke will use his ministerial discretion to deport Djokovic. And if he does deport Djokovic, that will mean that the tennis star won't be able to return to Australia for three years. And the big question mark is how Djokovic might be received if he indeed does stay in Australia and is allowed to play at the Australian Open, which starts on Monday. One of the biggest challenges right now is the volume of workers who are isolating in Australia, Claire, and the supply chain problems leaving supermarket shelves bare and forcing some retailers to close. And now the government has asked a committee of Australia's top doctors to provide advice on which workers could be exempt from those isolation rules. Yep, time to dust out our health acronyms. The AHPPC (laughs) (laughs) has been considering these things. That's the Australian uh, Health. Health Protection Principal Committee. It's chaired by the Chief Medical Officer from the Commonwealth Government and it's also then made up of those state and territory Chief Health Officers. Its primary focus is on uh, providing health advice and managing health emergencies. So it's been convening a bit of late. What reports say is that it has provided the Federal Government with a list of workers who could be exempt from isolating if they're a close contact. That's happened for 
emergency service workers and also for those uh, in food distribution. As you say, there's big gaps in the workforce in those areas. For the logistics sector alone, it's said to be 30 to 50% of its workforce that's in isolation. And of course, you only have to go to the supermarket or other stores to see the impact that that's having. Uh, It's one of the things to expand that list uh, that's going to be discussed at National Cabinet today. Yes, and on all things COVID, the World Health Organisation says that despite the rapid spread of Omicron, it's too soon to refer to it as an endemic. Speaking of that, Claire, we've taken a deep dive into Omicron on shortcuts this week, including what we can expect from the virus this year, about what a new normal means when it comes to COVID. I'll put a link to our shortcut in today's episode notes. And I'm going to put a spoiler in here, Claire. I asked you about when this would all be over but you didn't have an end date for me, which was very <laughs> disappointing because <laughs> I've come to rely on you as the oracle. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> now, Claire, the economy was really gearing up in November last year. People had cash. They wanted to spend it. And then Omicron arrived. Omicron arrived. We learned this week that uh, retail sales reached a record $33 billion in November. That was up an impressive 7.3% on October. And then, as you say, Omicron came. So we'll need to wait a few weeks until we see the impact in December and into January this month. What the Bureau of Stats also said yesterday is that in November, there was an incredibly high number of jobs that were advertised, uh, almost. 400,000 in November. That is a really big jump on the months before, of course, when we were in lockdown and things like cafes and restaurants and retail stores weren't open, so there weren't a lot of jobs going around. But all it shows is that in November, we we're really revving up and it seems that that momentum has been stopped. And overseas, the World Bank has delivered a sobering assessment of what growth might look like in 2022. Basically, it's going to slow because COVID is still a thing this year. We've got an update on Prince Andrew this morning, Claire, who will face a civil legal suit over sexual assault allegations after a ruling from a New York judge this morning. So Virginia Dufresne, uh, she is the woman at the centre of this civil suit. Uh, she has claimed that Prince Andrew actually assaulted her in 2001 when she was a teenager. Uh, those are claims that Andrew denies. Uh, what's happened is that his legal team argued that the case should be thrown out because she signed a deal with Jeffrey Epstein, that uh, convicted sex offender in 2009 that exempted uh, him and any of his friends from any sort of prosecution uh, that has been overturned, as you say, by that New York judge. And his accuser, Virginia Dufresne, who's now an Australian resident, she's welcomed the judgment in New York and says she's pleased the case will go ahead. And speaking of Buckingham Palace, Claire, earlier this week we covered a story about the Queen's upcoming Platinum Jubilee, which will mark 70 years on the throne. But that hasn't stopped the Australian Republican movement from launching its new preferred model for appointing an Australian head of state. Take us through it, Claire. Chairman Peter Fitzsimons uh, launched this yesterday. It's called the Australian Choice Model. What it involves is each state and territory nominating someone and the federal government also chucking in three names into the hat. Uh, That list will then be put to the people in a vote and the winner would score uh, a five-year term and basically the workload of the current Governor-General. But monarchists say that it's just another way to put more power into 
into the hands of politicians because ultimately they control the list of options. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to watch how that plays out this year. We did have a referendum on whether we would become a republic in 1999. 45% of people voted yes, 55% of people voted no. Claire, there's a coup about to be launched in the UK, and no, it's not against Boris Johnson, who's in a bit of political strife right now, but against brown onions that make you cry. Claire, they're called sunions, and if they work, <laughs> they're going to be a very big deal in my life. <laughs> You're a bit of an onion crier. Oh, I'm very, you know, I have even put on children's goggles. I've been that desperate sometimes <laughs> to make the tears stop. Look, I don't mind um, enjoying the burn of the onions every now and then it makes me feel like I'm really putting my back into it but yeah three decades of crossbreeding of onion varieties and scientists have finally developed what they call the world's first tearless onions your cooking's all about to change I'm certainly hoping that their claim is right and that they taste just as good as the real deal (laughs) squeeze the day Claire what's on your radar Uh, On my radar, it is the anniversary of that false emergency alert that warned of an impending missile strike on Hawaii. That was 2018, if you can believe it. I remember all of that hoo-ha at the time. Imagine how you'd be scrambling off the beach. Wow. (laughs) It was quite an episode. It seems like a very different era to now, doesn't it? Uh, (laughs) I hate to be a broken record on this one, but the Djokovic case has me completely hooked. It's got it all, sport, politics, intrigue. A lot riding on it for Djokovic, a lot riding on it for the government as well. You'd have to think there'd be a decision pretty soon, given that that tournament starts on Monday. Thanks for your company today. We'll be back tomorrow.